Hello and welcome to The Loudspeaker, your definitive guide on how to scale your startup. This first tip for every fintech startup is what are the media and press saying about us, how are we being perceived by these people? PR stunts are any activities that allow you to engage with the audience. I don't agree with the fact that our publicity is good publicity. Here is where we talk to communications professionals from all around the world to let you know what are the best practices and cool ideas that you can implement for your startups. Would you, Jacob, be able to tell our listeners who you are and what you do for Stasha and how it works? Sure. Um, so thanks for having me on the podcast, Sam. I'm Jacob. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Stasha. It's a business I co-founded about five years ago when I was at university with Anthony, my co-founder, and it, it's interesting because I guess it solves quite a familiar problem for people, which is when you travel, uh, especially when you're checking out and your flight's not later, not till later, or perhaps you've arrived, but your check-in's later. You don't want to be stuck with stuff all day. You need somewhere convenient to leave your things. Otherwise, you know, you, you, you sort of drag things around and it's just kind of inhibits your day a little bit. And, and the problem we were solving was simply that of uh, short-term storage in cities, in our experience of London, um, when we first moved there, we found that because Ant lived really centrally, people often stopped by asking if they could leave stuff at his place. <laughs> and the original business was born out of a joke of me saying, oh, mate, do you mind if I leave something here? And him saying he was going to charge me and us having this kind of light bulb moment of like, hey, you know, maybe there's something in this. And we ran with this idea of Airbnb for storage. And over time that evolved and we started working with shops and hotels instead of people's apartments we found it was just more efficient and a little bit more credible and mm. and a bit more scalable that way too and so yeah five years later i mean we're still storing bags for people just about in the current circumstances and uh, yeah it's it's sort of it started off just in london now it spans 30 different countries and the team is still relatively small considering that but we've gone from being just the two of us to a team of 20 people so it's been a it's been a fun journey that's awesome. And that's a really cool backstory. I'm glad you mentioned Airbnb because to be honest, I was getting flashbacks of that kind of backstory myself. <laughs> so I can imagine I can imagine that definitely helps with um, PR. I don't know if you've used that to your advantage, but I mean, that kind of narrative of this being a joke with your mate and then turning mm. into a, like a long-term business, that, that's got to be helpful for the narrative, I'm sure, of your, your company. Yes, definitely. It's. I think it's nice to have a story to hang things on, especially one like that where it's quite relatable and it, and it makes sense. And I think the other thing that helps is actually just the context that Airbnb gives our business. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Stasha would have made as much sense without Airbnb existing and kind of, to some extent, creating this problem. Um, I mean, it's a problem, you know, we find hotel guests will sometimes store with us because the locations are more conveniently placed or people going to stadiums, you know, when, when stadiums are a thing. Um, mm. <laughs> unrelated to... <laughs> just travel but it certainly it really helps that airbnb kind of popularized the whole sharing economy concept and that uh, that really yeah that's really made it easy for us to kind of explain where we fit in the market yeah i can imagine it's a good point of reference and it also fills people with confidence that like this service kind of works it's kind of like for luggage instead of people i guess but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you've been running stasha for five years now when did you first get started with pr and what was the motivation to do so Good question. I think, you know, we've, we've been interested in PR pretty much since the beginning. 
probably slightly too early to be honest since like when we set up, set up the first website we probably only stored a few bags and we started contacting journalists and saying it's this revolutionary new product but actually i guess there's there's a there's a certain logic to that because stature is intended as a mass consumer product and i think for any b2c business or any business operating in the b2c space pr is a really great channel for at least sort of spreading customer awareness if not fully acquiring customers uh, and i guess that's for two reasons mostly it's the the sort of credibility in the word of mouth i think if you read about something in the press that's probably only secondary to hearing it from your friends and family that it's something worth trying uh, and the other one would be seo and in, in, in that like at least sort of digital pr is you know if you, if you get backlinks and stuff that's an excellent way to boost your organic ranking that's the slightly more cynical reason for for doing it but certainly those are two good reasons to care about pr if you're in a b2c business uh, as as we are yeah i understand you might see it cynical but i can reassure you of all the guests that i have on seo is almost always one of the main motivators and yeah it is it's it's like gold dust everyone every company wants it every company needs it and it's totally understandable uh, yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's nice when it comes kind of authentically or organically itself in the form of good PR, because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there to, to do link building <laughs> in sort of to, to, in varying degrees of scamminess. But mm-hmm. like PR is a really nice way to do that when you get a good link from a, a credible sort of online media publisher. That's uh, that's a really nice thing, isn't it? Yeah. A very above board way of uh, boosting your SEO. <laughs> <laughs> so. Your service is quite unique. I mean, it's it's a pretty simple idea, but I haven't really heard of this before. I don't know if you're the only business doing this or if there's other co- competitors here. But like, has having a very unique business, has this helped promoting your unconventional service using PR efforts? Mm. I think, I mean, novelty always strikes me as quite a good thing, I, I think, when, you, when you're approaching journalists. And I mean, certainly... The first big PR breakthrough we had was an article on BBC News that uh, a journalist had been curating ways that people were using their space um, to make money. Uh, and he, he had a number of sort of new and interesting ways. And, and, and we got featured in that article. And that was that was really cool because I think that kind of played up the novelty factor and the unconventional factor. And it was a good way to sort of uh, work a story around that. And I think the same thing happened again uh, a year later. We actually we got a feature on BBC News, like World News Breakfast Show, uh, which was nerve wracking as <laughs> like uh, also really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And I think, again, it kind of, as you say, it's that sort of novelty thing, which is which is good. I suppose, you know, I, I, I think being unconventional generally is probably a good thing. Being small is probably more of a hindrance than being unconventional uh, when it comes to getting press attention, because I think sometimes that's the main challenge we face is just giving people a reason to care when you're a brand that they haven't necessarily heard of. But I think certainly having something that's a bit new and different is, is normally a good thing. Uh, although I suppose there's that hurdle of having to explain what you do. I, I guess in our case, it's easy because we can, we can, if we really want to just say Airbnb for bags, but like, <laughs> you know, there's uh, pros and cons, I'd say. No, I, at least you have the advantage of like explaining your service in a very simple form. It's easy to understand. Uh, I would be curious to know, just out of curiosity, do you, are you familiar with Stasher Bags? Yeah, um, <laughs> very, very familiar. We actually, I remember um, one of their customers nearly gave me a heart attack once because they emailed me to say, oh, my bag is 
broken and everything's gone everywhere and i was like oh my god what happened where were you storing it like you know who can i call and they were like well in the fridge <laughs> and i was like <laughs> and uh now we have quite a good relationship with their customer support because every now and then customers kind of go for the wrong stasher so yeah that's um no they're, they're they're good people it's it's i think it's a shame for seo i suppose um mm. in terms of brand but i guess uh, the nice thing is we are, you know, we're we're sort of distinct enough services that there's rarely any actual customer confusion. So, uh, and they seem to be doing pretty well. I mean, I, I sort of follow their progress inadvertently through my Google alerts for Stasher. <laughs> everything I see about them seems to be quite positive, which is nice. That's good then. The only reason I ask is because I usually get my coworker to look over the points that I want to cover for the show. And he left comments being like, ask about like about their bags, about how they're helping like reusable pla- or stop <laughs> plastic. And he went into all this detail. I was like, what have I completely confused? Like what this company is about? What's he talking about? And that's when I like Googled Stasher and it came up Stasher bags. And I was like, now I see where the confusion is. So I, I thought I'd have to ask like how that impacted your your seo or your business and it's, it's funny yeah. to hear that clearly there is some kind of overlap but good yeah good overlap so i guess problematic in practice um but yeah it's 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 a thing um but no it's okay that's all right then if you're interested in seeing how publicize can grow your startup sign up for a free pr assessment on our website and for a limited time only, exclusively for the loudspeaker listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash lspromo. As you mentioned, you got some PR in the BBC and I believe you've also had some coverage in The Guardian and TechCrunch. Uh, mm. How did you manage to secure these successes with your PR strategy? It's, it's been a mixture of things. Uh, in some cases, I suppose we, we have to give credit to, there was an agency we worked with in 2017. They were pretty good. Um, they, they did a great job on, on some particular pieces. And I mean, the first BBC piece just came from, from outreach on Twitter by us. TechCrunch, I think, came from, I'm not sure if it was a conference or not, but we, we made friends with a journalist there who covers um, investment stories. Generally, I suppose it's about having the right story and knowing the right person to contact, which is probably slightly trite advice. But um, that's, I, I guess, to the extent that there is a sort of science behind PR, that's it. It's just building up that network of contacts, um, knowing who to approach when and, and, and getting the story right. And I think... Uh, I also have to give a lot of credit more recently to our in-house PR guy. Um, he's called Joel, who's just naturally really gifted, it seems, uh, at this kind of work. And I think, I mean, stuff that's worked quite well for us in particular, some of those pieces you mentioned were around funding rounds. Um, funny story there. When we did our first funding round, it was like it was like £850,000, I think, our sort of pre-seed round or, or seed round, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I remember we approached a couple of journalists about it and they said ah sorry you know we don't we don't cover anything that's below a million it's just not interesting enough for our readers so we we came back to them um the next day and said we just raised 1.1 million us dollars and uh (laughs) 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 and actually that was all it took to get into 
into press. So that was quite cool. Um, so funding rounds, I think, have generally been uh, quite a good source of news. And I think certainly if you go through something like TechCrunch, who are kind of like the authority on that subject, other sort of publications tend to pick it up quite organically anyway. So it sort of maximizes the impact of your reach, which is quite cool. Uh, the other thing that's worked quite well for us in the past has been like data surveys. So uh, I remember we did this one kind of for fun survey ranking the sort of best travel attractions, tourist attractions in the world. We did like a list of one to 100, picked all the popular ones and then like scored them on a variety of factors that we felt were subjectively interesting. And I mean, you know, it's it's not like obviously an officially recognized list. There was some science behind the subjectivity, but that was that was quite fun. I mean, that that got a lot of um, pickup. I think, again, just once you get it in front of the right publications, then more tend to pick it up naturally. That one got picked up by Jimmy Kimmel, actually, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, I was gutted he didn't mention us by name. He said, some travel company in Europe ran this survey, and, uh, <laughs> and then he did this whole spiel about how, um, I think it was, I think the Los Angeles, um, what's it called, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, that had come out like bottom ranked in our entire <laughs> list, which, which he found quite funny. So... Yeah, I, I hope I've answered your question. Hopefully, there. Those are those are some of the things I think that have worked worked for us. I think you did a great job of answering it. That clearly demonstrates that you've got a very diverse strategy in play, mm. and on top of that, you're clearly quite creative with your strategy. And one thing that I can really relate to is how you've taken to building relationships with journalists. That is mm -hmm. definitely something which I think people really underestimate the importance of, because most people think that oh, my idea is great or our company's great, journalists are naturally going to love it. And just by simply contacting them, everything's going to fall into place. But mm -hmm. like you said, finding the right people, maintaining those relationships and also offering something of value to them really is the best way to get started with this process. So I I think, uh, yeah, you, you gave a good summary of how you've managed to succeed so well mm -hmm. in, in PR for this, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never been a journalist, but my impression from what I do know about PR is that you've got such an influx of stuff coming your way almost constantly that actually, you know, it it pays to stand out from the crowd in that respect. If you've, if you, if you've got a journalist that you know or, or vice versa, um, mm. that makes quite a big difference when, when they're just kind of flooded with stuff that they could be writing about. Yeah, yeah, it can be a bit... Uh stressful at times <laughs> for the inbox anyway um so you also mentioned that you had some pr success during the covid19 outbreak highlighting mm. your article in the bbc as an example how has covid impacted the way you've approached pr yeah i suppose it's changed the the topics a little bit like the 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 discourse up till now would generally have been like you know stasher has sort of raised funding it's expanding it's growing like you know, these are all these cool, great things that we're up to. And, and you're always sort of projecting this really positive image of yourself as a startup. And actually, COVID has been a weird and unique time in the respect that I think what's helped our strategy at the moment is just being trying to be a little bit more authentic during this period. And obviously, being a travel company, we've been really hard hit by the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we saw that graph kind of go from like, you know, thousands of bags a day, dip a little bit, and then just suddenly like fall off a cliff uh, in, in April. So like we served no customers in April and May. And then actually June, it's been nice to see a little bit of pickup, but I mean, we're still talking tiny numbers. And that's, I, I guess, I mean, that's, <laughs> it's a weird situation to find yourself in. And 
I think a lot of companies are going through the same thing, but not a lot of them are necessarily talking about it because you're you're kind of programmed to always want to project the best image of your company. Mm. But I found I found in our case, I think um, it's it's been helpful to to be a bit authentic during this period and be honest about you know the challenges that we're facing and. I say that from from a position of sort of being relatively fortunate that we fundraised at the right time because when we fundraised at the end of last year, COVID wasn't even a factor in any of our discussions or negotiations. So we closed this round, and and that's given us it's given us the kind of like cash breathing space not to not to be too worried about having no revenue, but at the same time, obviously, you know, now we're faced with a world that we kind of need to. We, we had everything going really nicely. Now we kind of need to rebuild from, from the ground up again. And yeah, I think, I think just being, being prepared to talk in a different angle than just like, look how great we are. And, and, and instead sort of talking about the challenges and being a bit open about that, that seems to have resonated well with the journalists that I have talked to. And, and, and that certainly helped us get pick up. And I suppose, I mean, uh, going back to the question you asked me at the beginning, what's, what's the sort of motivation behind that? I suppose, Partly again, there's, I mean, there's always the SEO factor, but like, as well as that, there's, there is that sense that you want to kind of remain in, in, in the public eye and, um, and, and kind of, you know, keep, remind people of the brands. And, and I think, I think people find that kind of honesty quite, I, I, I hope anyway, they find it, they find it quite, quite relatable. It's sometimes quite nice to put a bit of a human face to a brand. So that's, that's been our approach anyway during, during this period. And I mean, I'm looking forward to when things pick up and, and the news can be a little bit more, more positive. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we, we've done so far. I think that's, that's fair. And I like the fact you've taken a very authentic approach. I mean, I think this is a time where everyone is impacted by this. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say like maybe not equally, but at least everyone in the world has like felt the impact of this. And I think that it's kind of, almost very like humbling in the sense to to remember that like everyone to some degree or another has been impacted by this and then to freely kind of demonstrate like how it's been how each person has been impacted or how each business has honestly been impacted it's a kind of genuineness which we're not used to in our usual everyday lives of like look how great we are look how great we're doing when we're all on a kind <laughs> yeah. of like level in a normal kind of environment the rules have changed or like the, the game and players changed so yeah definitely i think uh, um an honest approach is the best thing for it right now for sure mm -hmm. so my last question to you if you could go back in time and if you were to able to speak to your former self when starting the pr process with stasha what advice would you give yourself this is a tricky one. Um, I think I, I, I thought of a few things. I, and I mean, I suppose the most helpful thing would just be able to kind of impart a sense of my current understanding of PR back in the brain of me from five years ago, where, you know, I, I knew basically nothing about it. And, um, and, and, and these are sort of things I've, I've kind of picked up over time. So I suppose that's a bit of a cheap answer. But if I, if I could sort of understand a little bit more early on the importance of as we talked about, like cultivating relationships. And I mean, if I could have hired Joel sooner, <laughs> that would have worked in practice, but I definitely, I definitely would have if I could have, because he's been a real asset. Maybe one thing I thought of was like, but I think at the same time, this has sort of come with time was sometimes I think it pays to be a little bit more opinionated and, and, and sort of stand out a little bit when it comes to PR and mm. um, that I think is something that and, and I have developed with the confidence that just comes from, 
you know, surviving in business for as long as we have, um, or for, for five years anyway. Um, but to give a recent example, he did an interview with someone not long ago that was talking about pivoting. And I suppose in the context of startups, the prevailing wisdom is now's a great time to, to pivot and, and be creative and, and, and sort of try and keep your business afloat that way. And I guess we're normally not afraid to be a bit controversial, to be fair anyway, but in, in particular, in this case, we just thought that was for us anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't the right approach. And I think he, he did a really excellent interview about why, why he felt that was the case. Um, and, uh, and that seemed to do fairly well. It got quite a lot of pickup. And I think, um, as I say, I feel like that's the sort of thing that comes with confidence over time, but it's sometimes it pays to be a little bit stronger in your opinions when it comes to PR, because at the end of the day, it's the business of stories and, um, mm. and journalists want to pick up interesting stories and uh, having stronger opinions and, and, and other things like that make for, make for more interesting stories than the usual kind of bland, like, look at us, this is great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But in all fairness, I have to say, like you said, at the beginning of that answer, you, you weren't quite sure what you would change. It, to be mm. honest, it sounds like you from the get-go you folks there have been very proactive on this like even like you said at the beginning like oh maybe we got started in pr too soon which to yeah. me i don't think i've ever had a client say that or not a client but um yeah but uh, a guest on this show say that so to be fair i think yeah you you got off to a good head start Cheers. and of course shouts shout outs to joel <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely fantastic um well jacob those are all my questions for today if people do want to find out about stasha how can they get in contact with you how can they follow you sure so stasha is all over the usual social media platforms um i think our tag is generally at stasha official you'll find us on twitter facebook instagram linkedin uh for me personally i'm not particularly big on social media but i am i like linkedin uh you can definitely add me on there um, my email I'm happy to share is jacob at stasha.com if you want to reach out to us directly and um, somewhat uh, less relatedly Ant and I run our own podcast it's called the morality of everyday things so if you want to hear more of my voice talking um, you can you can hear us over there and that's on Spotify and all the other podcast channels too for sure I'm definitely interested in checking that out cheers Sam. thank you <laughs>